welcome to Smartest Energy Talks, the power market podcast from the next generation energy company. Welcome to the latest monthly edition of Smartest Energy Talks podcast. We are today live from sunny Ipswich from our brand new opened Ipswich office. Very good to see some friendly faces around the office again and uh, yeah, be back to what was once the normal way of life. We're joined by myself, Luke Pryor, and my esteemed colleague, Paul Messer. Hi, Luke. Paul, thanks for joining us. Uh, the main subject of discussion today is going to be about flexible frameworks um, and generally how Smart Energy can help um, different organisations and customers really get the benefits out of that, an interesting type of product. So we're going to kick off um, with looking at a few different discussion points. Um, I guess the first one that we want to have a look at is really common objections that we encounter um, with with TPIs and, and customers in everyday conversation, um, which there are, you know, generally it's quite an opinionated industry, um, the energy industry. So. Probably the first point was, you know, flexible frameworks having a lack of individuality for customers. I mean, what do you think on that? Paul? I mean, you talk about sort of opinionated industry. I think that um, flex frameworks themselves, I think it's quite an opinionated topic uh, at, at the end of the day. Um, looking specifically into some of the um, opinions or objections that, that we encounter, yeah. Lack of individuality is, is certainly one of them, but um, you know you're you're not just a, a number in a pot there. And I think it's important that customers sort of understand that yeah they retain very much their own individual requirements. You know, as part of as part of the flex framework. Um, you know, that's that's more important now than than ever before. At, at, at the end of the day, um, we've seen sort of behavior with I think, other TPIs whereby they've sort of gone and actively targeted customers who, who are in frameworks to then go and bring them out and, and try and contract them individually. But I think you know that, that can be done with perhaps um, without a clear understanding as to the makeup of a framework and what that can deliver to, to those customers. Um, you know the framework offers that ability to be part of a collective, you know, be part of, of, of something. But in, in no way do I think that, you know, you lose that individuality um, at all. It brings you optionality. I think it's important to clarify. Um, okay. you know, that's, that's one of the, the key points there. Um, but with it, you know, does come, does come group, group benefits at, at the end of the day. I think that, you know, one of the other points that, links in nicely with that i suppose really is, is that uh second objection that we could look at really around cross subsidization cross subsidization um you know how do you think that ties in with the individual individuality part of, of, of a framework yeah it's interesting isn't it because that traditionally was almost foreseen as a, a benefit or the only option with a, a basket or portfolio where Every customer has to be on the same arrangement as as their peers in that in that basket, um, and that certainly still does exist as an option. And I think that's absolutely a 
a suitable option for for a lot of customers that that want to keep it simple perhaps um don't have any complex requirements in terms of how they purchase energy or or risks um and you know smartest have an option for that under our collective banner um which you might be familiar with already but i think uh, as paul mentioned there you know individuality is is more important than ever um i think recent events with with covid really highlights that wholeheartedly in that every customer has such individual bespoke needs in how they contract you know with their with their various risk elements their budgets how they're going to consume going forward um you know that that individuality is probably more critical than you know, mm. having shared benefits you know there's still going to be that the benefits as a group that the the, the bulk buying gives through the, the aggregated hedging but i think you know, it's, it's probably more limited to what cross subsidy can actually achieve these days um and as i mentioned there with with customers appetite to risk that is also another you know common perception that the flex contracts you know, are a riskier option than perhaps fixed um i don't know you know yeah. what you say to that i suppose it, it depends what your different definition of, of risk is uh, in that respect, and the way you know that the I and obviously the business see uh, flex is that, or a flex framework is that you know it, it fun that fundamentally allows you to spread the risk. You know, and I think it's important that, that people understand that. Um, you know, you're you're available, you're able to take advantage of um, opportune market conditions. So you know, we, we're not. Um, we're not throwing it the roll of the dice, you know, all in you know one go and, and hoping for our numbers to come up by by picking that one day in the year. Um, you know, you, you chopping up your purchasing decisions, and you you know you are spreading that risk. And so, take for example, um, you know, looking at a, a at a fixed contract um, in, in comparison to, to that flex, I suppose, with regards to you know your number of purchasing decisions. Um, you could be taking 15, 20 decisions over three years with your flex contract versus you know you're you one with your fixed. Um, you know, trying to hit that right decision at a single point in time in a four-year period is is pretty difficult. It's really it's it's really hard. So, you know, managing that and, and, and spreading the risk is, is the key to is the key to all of that. And you know, that's where flex comes into into its own realistically. You, you know, you can't get that with with any other product, quite simply. Right, it's almost like that dartboard analogy. Would you rather have one dart to hit the bullseye or or ten? Um, you know, personally would need ten. I'm no Phil Taylor, mate. So um, it's quite important to in your case. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the same you know the same analogy applies at the end of the day. I mean, you know, we, we touched on it a little bit there with regards to the fix that that one. One purchasing decision versus twenty approach. Yeah. You know, um, we still operate in a market that you know is heavily fixed. But you know, where do you see the benefits and uh, between the two and the you know the versus of fixed fee flex? Where where do you see the sort? Of, where do you see us heading with that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's you know if you look at a bigger picture, 
electricity deregulation and, and how much the energy market as a sector has really kicked on in the last you know, 10, 15 years, um, whether that be products, innovation, regulations, strive towards renewables, competition, it's endless really. Um, but I think what's important to note is that the, the buying behaviours, the purchasing strategies of a lot of customers and consumers hasn't moved at that same pace and people are still fixated with certain times of the year and we've, as we know we've got the April round we've got the October round which we're uh, in the uh, in the foothills of at the moment I think um, and they have a, those massive contracting periods which they may have been traditionally the way that the energy is purchased but is it the right way and that's the question I mean you know you have these high contracting periods and that ultimately has a knock-on effect on the offers that are available to customers. You know, suppliers are, you know, over, over that period, they're gonna have a, a lot more strain on resource. The market may not be sitting at the most opportune time, but you know, customers' hands are often forced if they've left it a month or even two months before the end of their, their renewal date. So just because uh, traditionally, customers have purchased in one way. It doesn't mean it's right. Um, you know, as Paul mentioned there, with, with fix, especially, it's it's become harder and harder to get these purchasing decisions right. And if you're only doing it once for a three-year contract, you know, you, you could be looking at one decision over four years. So, why not give yourself the opportunity to, to have multiple decisions? I think initiating that, I think that that change in behaviour is hard. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, for the guy that's done it for the last 15 to 20 years in that particular way, having that conversation to say that you should do it another way is, it is tough. It's, you know, I think we've probably all had those conversations. We've had them with consultants, we've had them with customers. Um, <clears throat> you know, how do we, I suppose, how do we go about doing that? How do we go about sort of changing and, and getting those people to, to sort of reconsider their options? Um, it's, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, again, when, you know, refer back to COVID and that has such a massive impact on the energy market, you know, we're, we're seeing tenders and, you know, feedback from 2,000 customers where there's a limited number of suppliers able to participate. You know, a TPR that may be used to getting a dozen supplier offers might only have three or four, um, but a customer may not have an option just because of the timing element, you know, proximity. To their end date, um, and again on on wholesale rates, uh, that we've seen probably ten year lows in, in wholesale energy between April and, and June time. Um, if, if you'd have contracted your your fixed twenty four thirty six month renewal in February, <laughs> you're yourself now, would you? I'd say so. That would be an uh, understatement of the day. So yeah, it's hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I think. It's giving yourself that, that opportunity to spread the risk, make multiple decisions, but making one is, is becoming more, it's, it's harder than ever. Exactly. By giving yourself those, those, those multiple options. That's right. I mean, it, it you know, people may view it as complex um, and complicated, um, but I think it's, it's that education, that understanding um, of, of how to manage it is, is important um 
I mean, what, what would you say on, on how we can help therefore? I think that, you know, sort of just nipping back a stage there, you know, you, you're saying about it being seen as being too complex or too too complicated. Um, it can be as simple or as complex as you want it to be, um, in, you know, in, in, in my opinion. Uh, for somebody who hasn't touched on, on flex before, it, it's daunting. I think we've all been there at the point where, you know, everyone starts off you know, doing your fixed contracts, whatever. Um, I think you and I have both been in this long enough now that those days are, are far behind us. But um, yeah, that first foray into flex and, and oh, I've got to be glued to my screen 24 seven, you know, I've got to be watching the prices. Um, how does that translate into energy rates? You know, you, you're only used to seeing your day rate and your night rate that sort of fully delivered number on your invoice um each month it yeah it it's it can be seen as quite daunting but you know i think that's where that's where we come in that's our job isn't it really to sort of to, to convey the message that actually isn't it shouldn't be that daunting and you know there, there are opportunities there to be uh, to be taken from it um i think my own experience of, of going out to speak to customers and consultants for the for the first time that want to learn and understand about you know the market on on that side of things you know looking at flex or, or in particular flex frameworks anyway um it's really good I, I it's really quite rewarding to see you know that message come across and it's like oh actually yeah it's not as bad as the reverse or yeah the penny drops and it's like yes we've got it um so you know we can take people through, you know, right from the, the, the simple to the ridiculous, in, you know, in that respect. And, you know, some people do like to make it complicated for themselves. Fair enough. You know, we can cater for all of that. Um, but really, we've we've got all the tools in the box to, to, to manage that entire process, be it, you know, someone coming in who is experienced in the world of Flex and Flex Frameworks or, you know, someone right at the very, very start who um, are coming into it for the first time. Um, I think, you know, for those that are doing it for the first time, you know, we still see the management of a lot of flex contracts almost like they were fixed. Um, yeah. You know, so we, we see fixed energy and, and non-energy rates while still being able to purchase flexibly. So people are still retaining that option to um, have a certain um, amount of, of certainty and conclusion to, to um, with regards to sort of their, their numbers, what they're paying, but they're retaining all the elements of you know spreading risk and managing risk uh, in terms of being able to um, purchase flexibly. You've then got obviously the other end of the spectrum, so you know we can look at sophisticated risk management strategies. Um, we can touch on pricing triggers, you know, the ability to lock and unlock things like that, and sleeving. But realistically, I think the numbers speak for themselves in terms of whether you know the market sees does you know, the market see this or certain people see this as being too complicated 70 percent 80 percent of our portfolio is is on is on flex versus where we stand on fixed um that puts us around about i think five terawatt hours of contracted volume um on a flex basis and you know we've got over 20 tpis using flex frameworks with us um the numbers do really speak for themselves in, in, in that respect. And we're seeing more and more, aren't we? Yeah. Into, you know, two cars that we never may have worked with or traditionally been fixed are now saying, right, we want to jump on board and we've got customers that, that want to purchase flexibly, you know? I think it's 
important for consultants as well to have that in their armory. Yeah, I think that's that's I think that's, that's important. Um, realistically, you know, the, the the use of, of, of flex and flex frameworks has, has, has increased over time. The marketplace has become more competitive, so having that in in your locker is is important. Um, I don't know if it could be considered a, a, a USP such anymore. I mean, you know, their their use is, is frequent, um, but I just think it's important that you you've got the ability to use it, you understand it, you know it, and, and you can sort of effectively go and go and sell that. Unless you stand out more if you don't yeah, have you don't that have it. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good point. Um, these, I mean, flex in general. It opens other doors, I think, and given where we're heading as as an industry, I think it's important that you know when looking at the likes of like DSR, Bureau of Services, CPPAs, flex contracts allow uh, and flex frameworks allow for the that optionality. I know we touched on optionality sort of right at the very start, but um, you know that development of of an additional product offering. Um, especially around like the CPPAs, you know, we're getting a lot of you know, and a lot of noise in the market about those at the moment. <clears throat> a lot of customer interest, um, and not having that, not having that ability to to consider those options, I think it's um, you know people are putting themselves at a real disadvantage. Yeah, um, the market's more competitive than ever. I mean, we yeah. the TPIs that that we work with on our books, I'd say they'd be the best part of a thousand different organizations which is quite staggering and i think there was probably a view that the market may have been saturated a number of years ago but that doesn't seem to be the case so it's so competitive and you know have been able to offer those different services it's just critical to their existence really yeah we, we talked there about perceived complexities in, in terms of trying to dispel those i suppose and perhaps have a framework um works how do you think that we could support people in that area um, what have we got in the locker to to help manage that yeah i mean that's it you could say as a, as a supplier well we can provide a product we're a, a seller of energy but certainly at smartest we we see ourselves as, as far more than that um because we work with a lot of tpis you know, a significant portion of our businesses one through TPIs, um, our setup and services are, are geared that way. So we can provide a lot of support to to third parties and customers, of course, um, with how they manage and, and would operate a, a framework, you know, once they've got those customers signed up. Because that can be the daunting part, as you mentioned, Paul. It's like you might be able to have the conversations, get the buy-in, but it's then it's taking that next step once you know those contracts are locked in um i think uh, a big part of that is our our digital platforms our online portals so we have uh, the more standard ones that you might be familiar with which is is in billing uh, sort of profile access to half hourly data but we also have our online hedging portal called the source um and this is exactly what it says on the tin it, it is really a a tool that allows end users and, and tpis to be able to manage their, their flexible products so you know it's got access to position reports performance related reports which of course is very important to to monitor how 
flexible contract is running and you know access to live wholesale prices is of course critical to know when to, to dip into the market and, and on the back of that it isn't just a case of staring at a screen 24 7 um, or even eight screens if you're in our, our trading team but you know we can set up those pricing alerts and triggers so it's almost self-serving and you know you'll get notifications when certain market conditions are met or market movements are met so it, it is very much an automated tool um and we're even looking to develop it further um which is i think quite an imminent um movement in terms of online transactions um traditionally if you wanted to, to make a trade you'd, you'd phone up one of the guys in our trading team have a two minute call and, and lock that trade in at you know on a over the counter basis whereas now i think you know we're in 2020 it's we're in a digital age it's all yeah digitization etc exactly so yeah it's going to allow online transacting and, and putting limit orders in so you you can even put a desired price in and that will automatically get traded so there's some real interesting and exciting features that that platform's going to be able to offer it's supportive as well, and I think for, for those people taking those first few steps, it's it's just important for them to understand that you know the support is there. You're not on your own doing this. You've got system capability. You've got you know you and I at the end of a phone, uh, provided we haven't put them off just yet. Um, you know it's 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 all manageable, um, and there's enough support platforms here, I think, to help really sort of deliver um, quite a a capable service um to both consultant and customer yeah exactly i mean it and it's not just the, the digital element you know the traditional personal approach and um, you know that again is, is where smartest thrive in the market we are very much a customer focused organization so every uh, flexible contract will have a dedicated account manager a dedicated customer service executive You'll, if you're lucky enough to work with myself or Paul um, or possibly our, some of our other colleagues as well, you, you know, you're probably going to have a, a virtual team with, you know, various different people that will specialise in different elements in, of service. Um, so we are very much a hands-on, it's not a set and forget type approach in the slightest. We we want to work with you and we want to be there every step of the way. Um, and, we, you know, hopefully we've got the, the tools mm. and platforms to, to assist with that as well i think a lot of tpis who are already familiar you know with us and, and what we do you know they'll they'll know about like our partnering approach um and you know you've touched on that with regards to the you know can dedicated uh, cses etc um so i think that really brings us around on, on to the fact that our core values essentially you know about service and service offering not just you and i in the phone but you know from, from a digital platform it's it's important to show that perhaps while we, we talk a good game there um we're we're backed we're backed by our numbers i think that, that's really that's really important to highlight and um you know we consider these to be industry leading you know our nps scores are effectively industry in what is a difficult industry to perform well in i think it's probably worth recognizing there that you know that the energy industry does get 
tarnished. It's not usually in the news for good things, but you know, to stand out from the crowd and, and, and our numbers, I feel certainly allow us to do that. Um, we were effectively recognised for that. Yeah, we've been recognised twice in the last eight years for that. We've had two energy supplier of the years awards, um, 2012, 2018. Uh, and I was at the latter one. Uh, I, can, I can say. Um, and what we we were commended, I think, for uh, green thinking and, and transparency. You know, and, and again, that takes us back to two things, I suppose, really, in terms of where we're heading, in terms of green thinking. You know, push for, for net zero. Um, but that transparency and that forms part essentially of our, of our core values that is instilled throughout our business, from the work that you and I do, from the operations, and, and even the people sort of the back end of the business that don't get to speak to our external partners. You know. Um, it, it really is uh, ingrained, I think, within the business. Um, in the interest of transparency, I will say there's, there's not much I can really remember about those <laughs> after picking up the trophy. Um, but the photos, the photos certainly looked like we uh, we had a good night anyway. Got those pictures plastered around the <laughs> yeah, yeah, still got them up um, But yeah, you know, looking forward, um, net zero has become a, a, a big thing. Uh, this last few months highlighted ever more by I think by COVID you know um, and I think it's important that we're there to demonstrate that we can help achieve those ambitions you know it's important that people you know, that we engage with people externally about this and that you know however sort of weird and wonderful those ambitions might be um, what those energy projects might be people need to sort of come and come and talk to us about it um, we're here to help, we're here to help achieve those goals at the end of the day. Um, so I think that possibly brings us nicely to the end of the, the podcast. Um, Good stuff. Um, yeah, well, I think we've covered some, some interesting topics there. So hopefully you found that of interest. So whether you want to listen on your morning jog, bus home on your way from home from work, or maybe even at a family barbecue, it's available to download on all the main platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a few of the other providers. So, again, thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, thank you, Luke. Thanks to all for listening. And, yeah, we'll welcome you back and see you next month.